0: Hello and welcome to the BBC Country Farm Magazine podcast with me, Fergus Collins. In the last episode, I talked to Welsh farmer Dapheth Morris-Jones about his concerns with rewilding in his homeland in the Cambrian Mountains and how this would affect him and his local communities. So I contacted Alistair Driver of Rewilding Britain, who was involved in the project in the area called Summit to Sea, in order to get a better understanding of what rewilding offers the British countryside and to put some of Dapheth's concerns directly to him. This is what he had to say you work for rewilding britain um in a nutshell could you tell tell our listeners what rewilding britain is
1: okay rewilding britain's a very small environmental charity um we uh aim to be a catalyst for engendering uh rewilding uh, projects and initiatives in in this country we have an ambition of about uh a million hectares rewilded by 2100 um Uh, That's only 4% of the land surface of Britain, so it's a relatively small percentage, but nevertheless a major challenge. Um, By rewilding, I mean the large-scale restoration of ecosystems to the point where nature is allowed to take care of itself. Um, But but there are various things that I need to explain around that. What do we mean by large-scale? Well, probably in England and Wales, we mean at least 10,000 hectares.
0: You're talking about per project?
1: Yeah. Yeah, per per initiative. And um and and when we talk about to war to, to the point where nature is allowed to take care of itself, we really mean to emphasise that this is a very long term process. Rewilding I always you know, I always mention this is a present participle, rewilding is an ongoing activity, it's gonna take a very long time, it's gonna take decades, in fact, uh if not a century or more to get to the point where we have truly rewilded where nature is totally taking care of itself uh, at scale in these sorts of areas, because of course, you know, Britain is basically a giant garden and we've, man has had a hand in, you know, every square meter of it over the centuries. So, so it will take a quite, quite a long time to get to that point, but that's our aspiration to work with others, to encourage others, inspire, uh, help lead the way towards this, um, this a uh, new type of i suppose uh, you could, could describe it as a a a form of nature conservation because it's going you know inevitably it will promote much better biodiversity um and better uh, ecosystem services for you know for public good as well as for the benefit of wildlife
0: and um you know the whole point of rewilding is to to bring wildlife back in response to um you know for our listeners benefit you might not be aware of things like the state of nature reports are these the things that have have these reports on massive declines of uk wildlife are these these are things that have galvanized rewilding
1: yes um i've worked in nature conservation for 40 years now um i've been involved in hundreds of um all sizes of of uh, restoration and wetland habitat creation projects Uh, You know, I I was the first conservation officer uh, for the Thames Water Authority covering the Thames catchment. I went on to become head of conservation nationally for the Environment Agency, and I've had the pleasure of dealing with literally hundreds, if not thousands, of initiatives. But they're all, you know, they're not of the scale of rewilding. And despite all of this effort of thousands of people like me for many decades, wildlife is still going backwards in this country. You know, biodiversity is declining um and um we know that you know that's 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 been patently obvious for some time we have very good monitoring and evidence in this country and we know that we are still going backwards despite all of that effort so what we're saying is it's not it's not about abandoning that approach that nature reserve protected site approach it's about continuing that to keep these these jewels going um but to be doing things at scale which, which allows the restoration of healthy functioning ecosystems and natural processes, which enables those jewels to then um, be spread out in, into these rewilded areas and, and to be seeded from these remnant, uh, remnant small sites, small populations of, of scarce and fragile species.
0: So at the moment, um, you, in your talk at, in Cardiff, you, you spoke about some projects that are ongoing. Where can people see the rewilding you've just been talking about where can they see that today in action in the uk
1: yeah well there there are there's a range of projects there are there's a sort of lowland uh, agricultural uh, projects which are which are usually in a farm landscape a lowland farming landscape like nep for example k n e p nep in sussex um which is well, well publicised and the excellent book um by isabella tree wilding is 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 out there now, and um, you know, uh, people are people people are buying it in their thousands. Yes,
0: uh,
1: and it's a fascinating story. Um, and and I've been to Net many times, as you can imagine. I was involved right right at the beginning when they were looking at the river river restoration work there. And um, and I, uh, you know, I can honestly say it is the most stunningly biodiverse site that I've ever ever been to in britain the the wildlife there is phenomenal truly phenomenal so you can go to sites like nep and there aren't many of them i have to say but i know a few others in in east anglia who are farmers who are looking at nep and um and thinking oh you know i'd like to have a go at that i think i can sacrifice some of my land to achieve to achieve the same objectives so so there's that kind of example and then there's the upland example and you can go to places like Ennerdale. um in West Cumbria or Haweswater in East Cumbria, um, uh, places like that, where you can see upland rewilding, still not at the scale that I'm talking about, where I'm talking about ten thousand hectares plus, but a couple of thousand hectares, um, uh, which is significant enough, you know, you, you, uh, and certainly you feel like it's getting to landscape scale.
0: And you say feel, feel uh, and what 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 do people what people expect to see with that? Let's I know that we're talking about different habitats, but upland, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and even difference between the upland sites. Um, but if you if you're out in that landscape, you will you will feel very much like nature is taking care of itself. You know, it's an absence of uh, or a, 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 or human intervention is very low key and low impact. Um, so you feel like you're in a wild area. Um, you will see generally speaking much more nature than you will in unri- unwilded bits of the uplands, um, and um, and it, it just has it just has a special feel to it, uh, which is hard to explain. You need to really experience it, but it just feels more alive. The amount of insect life, birdsong, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. There are pockets of this too in other parts of the country, like the Peak District. I've been to parts of Dovestone, for example, in the western. The western edge, northwestern edge of the Peak District, eastern moors area um, towards Sheffield. You know there are patches of natural regeneration and rewilding happening there um, uh, through activities by organisations like the National Trust, RSPB, and the Wildlife Trust, etc. So there are more and more pockets of rewilding that one can see in England and Wales, and of course in Scotland. Um, I'm less familiar with the areas, but obviously there are some fairly major projects up up in the Gorms and the and the southern borders et cetera, which are developing
0: it sounds absolutely thrilling and as a nature lover very very appealing and a story of hope now i spoke to a welsh farmer welsh hill farmer in the cambrian mountains where there is a project that you're involved with called summit to sea and so he he was an example of someone who isn't he definitely yeah. wasn't very happy about the whole idea of rewilding in his area um, what is the plan with Summit to see, and then maybe we could talk about some of the arguments that that um, this farmer had.
1: Yeah, I won't, I won't talk. I won't talk specifically about Summit to see because we now have a project director who's just literally just started, and we'll be starting to talk more about it um, as we move into next year. Okay, so But, an overall, but yeah. I can talk about the general principle because I'm actually busy now um, establishing one or two projects in England, which will follow a similar. Similar approach. So the gist of it is that you take uh, you take a large area for a vision, which may be anything from say thirty thirty thousand hectares up to say a hundred thousand hectares, which is what I'm considering in the peak in the Peak District uh, as an overall vision area. And within that overall project vision area, you then have cores of a few thousand hectares of land here and there. Which ideally you would seek to join up into a 10,000 hectare core area, uh, 10,000 hectares plus. So you'd have core areas of rewilding where you go quite a long way up the rewilding spectrum, and after initial interventions like native tree planting and uh, 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 restoration of peat bog and um, removing your fences, and where necessary maybe putting up fences, introducing the right grazing animals, etc., the right the right mix of uh, species, herbivores, uh, etc., um, to, estab- to re-establish natural processes and a healthy balance between healthy soils and water and vegetation and, and uh, mammals, etc. Um, you do you do all of that initially, but then you gradually uh, ease off the intervention because you're letting nature start to take over. However, really importantly here, this is not about excluding people. This is not about um, Uh, kicking farmers off the land. Far from it. It's about trying to make this work from an economic point of view and and a social and community point of view, as well as from a biodiversity viewpoint. So, it is definitely not um, at this point in time uh, about wolves and bears, for example. Wolves and bears are, are not publicly acceptable in this country at this point in time. So, what I always say is that why don't we just focus on what is doable at the moment, which is restoring the land at scale. We know what we've got to do. We know, you know, I've been involved in uh, catch and restoration for, for, for nearly nearly uh, 40 years. And, I, you know, so we know what we need to do. We know how to do it. Um, we should engage local communities in helping to do that and in so doing engender a much better ecosystem services which benefit society as a whole, like reduce flood risk, improve water quality, improve carbon, sequestration, etc. Um, and at the same time, generate a nature-based economy that goes with that. It's certainly not about abandoning farming altogether. When we have these core areas, in within smallish core areas within huge vision areas, we'll, we will need buffer areas around them, buffer areas around the core areas, which are in effect high-end agri-environment. They will still be um still be farmed in a certain way and even in core areas there will still be animals because we we can't recreate the aurochs and we ha- we won't get elk back in in the short term and beavers yes maybe in the lowland lowland areas eh, beavers are now starting to return through introductions etc but you know we can't get the right mix of native species native wild species so we need to think of what proxies do we need and that Yes, that does involve some kind of livestock management, albeit very light touch. So it's wrong for people to think that this is, you know, this is about abandoning farming altogether. It certainly is not. It's about diversification. And quite frankly, what is the option? The alternative option for a lot of hill farmers in this country looks pretty bleak to me. Um, You know, with with Brexit, um, with basic payment schemes disappearing, by 2028 20, altogether, you know, I would say uh, most, most farmers are likely to be better off if they engage in this pro- approach, especially in upland areas where uh, farming at best is teetering on the brink of extinction. Um, uh, I would say, why not explore this opportunity to diversify um, and embrace a nature-based economy which goes with uh, a, light, a very light touch uh, farming, land management, uh, livelihood.
0: When I talked to Dapheth, Morris Jones, this farmer, he was very worried about. He felt he was one of the endangered species of the uplands. He and his fellow farmers, and that their traditions and the Welsh language that is very important in there. But I know that's very specific to that part of Wales, uh, Mid West Wales. Uh, the Welsh language, which I hadn't understood before, is is the Language yep. of rural business, so the whole farming structure, which means abattoirs and markets and hauliers and, uh, and 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 solicitors and all sorts of people involved in that market, all speak in Welsh. And I think he was extremely worried that rewilding, which would, although it might provide the farmers with a living, would would take away the need for all, quite as much of that infrastructure below the farmers. So there would be an effect on the overall farming business in that area and thus the welsh language and culture yeah well
1: um i can understand their fears but but let's let, let's let look at you know first of all let's look at what's the alternative what's going to happen anyway well if if nothing if they do nothing um then with the basic payment scheme disappearing um it's going to get tougher and tougher to make a living just farming sheep in those sorts of areas and it doesn't just apply in Wales; it applies in Uh, uh, Cumbria and other parts of the country, it will get much more difficult to make that work financially. So there's already a case there for diversifying. Even if rewilding wasn't on the agenda, um, there would still be a case for diversifying in order to survive. The second thing is, there is uh, there is no reason why the Welsh language cannot prevail in a diversified economy. I hope that it will still be the people that own and live and work in those communities um, who will embrace um, this approach, whether it be in the Peak District or Lake District or Kielder or, or, or West Wales. Uh, we, want, we want this to be a no-brainer for the people who live and work there. We want them to engage with it because they see it as an opportunity to survive and stay in that area. And quite frankly, this approach um, a more diversified approach is far more likely to be attractive to more youngsters than a grueling, hill farming dawn dawn-to-dust existence, barely scraping a living. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I really think that um, the opportunity to have a, a better quality of life whilst enabling uh, you to survive financially um, has to be something well worth looking at. Um, so, yes, I know they're afraid of change. I know they are uh, afraid of losing the cultural identity. That's the last thing we want. We want we want that to prevail, but in a, in a different type of economy, which is able to survive uh, in difficult financial times.
0: So there was some pos- positive things. So I asked uh, David what he would do then to, he was aware that there was big wildlife declines and you talked about return to the javo system. So it's moving grazing animals from lowland to upland in a in a sort of very traditional way. It actually, sounds like quite a lot of overlap with you're talking about bringing cattle back to the hills, which there aren't any cattle on the hills. And it sounds like quite a there, there could be quite a bit of overlap. Is that has that been explored that you know, that maybe farming systems, re-farming as much as rewilding, could um, could 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 work together.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, there is definitely scope for um, a, a greater range of livestock because every every type of animal, even different breeds of the same uh, species, um, have different impacts on vegetation structure. And we know from the NEP example that you know this mix of Tamworth pigs and Exmoor ponies, Longhorn cattle, and um, several species of deer mean that you have all of these different types of intervention and that's what you would get naturally if you have the right balance of natural herbivores. Um, so so yes absolutely um, uh, different different um, uh, grazing animal types such as uh, rare breed cattle and, and certainly in lower lying areas in uh, pigs etc. Um, Yeah, that that will perform a a function which helps to restore natural processes. It's not pure rewilding, of course, but, you know, why don't we just focus on what might be achievable at a stretch um, and as we move up that rewilding spectrum. And then future generations, you know, in 100 years time, they can decide whether they want to take the next step up the rewilding spectrum and, and you know, take their hands off even more. But, um, you know, I see that approach being particularly relevant in buffer areas and also in, in with animals moving freely around core areas um, with very, very uh, light touch harvesting, if you like, of those animals. Um, in effect, because you don't have the carnivores to control them. You don't have wolves and bears and lynx, et cetera. So in place of that, man obviously then has to act as a carnivore, if you like, by harvesting. And, and, and as they're doing at places like that, you know, selling fewer animals, but higher quality. And, and, and actually profitability can, can genuinely be greater in that situation.
0: I see, I see. So you're still getting a viable commercial harvest or crop or, or you know livestock from the hills, but they're doing a valuable conservation job at the same time, or, or re- rewilding, restoring job at the same time. Yeah,
1: but I, I'm talking yeah. about a mosaic of situations. So in some parts of these big upland core areas, you probably have no intervention at all because they you know they they they're right on the top largely uh, difficult to access um, uh, and and there is no need to intervene but around the edges of them and certainly in buffer zones around the edges one would be seeking to apply that approach yeah so so you know this is re- this is a really important point this is not about excluding farming uh, it's about changing farming so that it's able to cope yeah uh, under under future economic pressures, um but doing so in a way which enables this very significant large scale restoration of natural processes.
0: you mentioned obviously the w word it would be good to just clarify to readers there are no wolves going to be reintroduced in our lifetimes in in or very unlikely that wolves will be reintroduced, and none of these projects at the moment are looking at wolves or bears or any of these big things. But are there wild animals being reintroduced? Uh, beavers, you mentioned. Any, anything beyond that? And... Well,
1: the one thing I will be, uh, I am always clear about, and I'll be clear here, that in order for this nature-based economy uh, principle to succeed, you have to be making the place more attractive to draw visitors into. And in order to make it more attractive, you've got to make it look aesthetically more attractive, or feel like a better place to be, which um, rewilding will do because it, it tends to create a mosaic of vegetation. And what are um, often very barren uh, uh, man-made upland landscapes um, can be uh, quickly uh, restored to something much more uh, aesthetically pleasing. There are some beautiful parts of our uplands, of course. But generally speaking, quite a lot of our uplands are very barren and boring, and and it it would so intervening in order to establish mosaics of vegetation and um, healthy rivers and healthy wetlands, etc., which are going to then increase in in biodiversity, is a very important step. But also, in uh, an essential part of a successful rewilding project at scale, will involve reintroductions of Um, certain species. And usually these will be charismatic species like pine marten, beaver, uh, red squirrel, uh, some of the birds of prey, for example, um, golden eagle, white-tailed eagle, hen harrier, uh, and then other species like black grouse, um, etc. And even plants, you know, plants like juniper, for example. Um, uh, It will be essential that we look on a significant rewilding projects we look at what at what sweetest species and i don't uh, you know i'm i'm very uh, keen on the idea of looking strategically at sweetest species rather than ad hoc randomly just thinking right uh, what should we do next we need to think about what do we need there to achieve that uh, fully naturally functioning ecosystem to To enable natural processes to prevail, and that will mean looking at a suite of species, you know, with proper consultation, following the IUCN guidelines, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm, yes. um, um And that I know that's going to be really challenging because we are so used to this country in this country to a really poor baseline. You know, we we've been this. You know, we've su- we've been like this. We've suffered this absence of these species for centuries. Um, so it's not like Holland or Denmark. Um, or belgium where you know wolves are walking into the country and you know it won't be long before they have wolf, wolf packs in in the netherlands for example because enough animals are starting to walk into the country from germany um so we are an island and we that means we are going to have to intervene uh and that means you know difficult difficult consultation and i don't for one minute think that we're going to um uh, satisfy everyone there's no way we will but we have to be brave about this and uh, stick to the principles of natural processes healthy ecosystems and uh, ensure that they are these places become attractive places that draw people in um, in order for them then to contribute to the local economy through through nature tourism
0: so, so you're not totally ruling out wolves from the by the sound of it or is that
1: uh, i know i i personally am because yeah. i can't see I can't see that we will get Wolves back in England and Wales in my lifetime. Um, And I'm probably older than you, but, uh, you know, I I don't, and I don't see that's not a priority right now. Why don't we just focus on what might be achievable? Um, I, you know, I certainly um, wouldn't want to be spending the rest of my life trying to negotiate something as difficult as that. But why don't we focus on things like Pine Martins and Beavers and Golden Eagles, um, uh, making sure, of course, that we have the right strategies in place to, uh, where we need to you know to act to reduce their impacts in places where the impact is unacceptable yeah we can't just willy-nilly release them and walk away from it of course we, we owe we would owe it to society to um, make sure that you know there is some light touch management but but um, yes i think we should be getting on and doing that as part of significant rewilding projects
0: Yeah. um, What can you do to help uh, to to include local people, to allay their fears? You know, some of the stuff that uh, I've mentioned earlier from the from the Welsh farmers. What uh, what can you do to 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 sell the brand rewilding? Yeah.
1: Well, the the most important thing is that we need to be remain consistent with our messages. Um, We need to encourage people to look at what we've said on our website about our principles. Because, to be honest, there's nothing not to like, really, about those principles. I've spoken to many, many hundreds, if not thousands of people about this. I've given many public lectures. I've taken votes before and after. The votes in favour are always overwhelmingly in uh, uh, positive. Um, there, there's nothing much not to like about those principles. So I want people to think about what what is rewilding Britain saying. Look at our website. Um, those involved with the Summit to Sea project will be able to look at the uh, funding proposal that we secured over four million dollars for um, on the Endangered Landscapes Program. They can see what we said we were going to do. We are going to do that. We are not going to. We're not going to suddenly uh, mystically stray from that. We're going to stick to what we said we're going to do. We owe it to the funders to do what we said we're going to do. So there is no hidden agenda. Um, the, the, the second thing is, I know that I'm not. We, we are not going to. Uh, Uh, be able to allay everyone's fears apart uh, by just talking about it. The only way for us to, to significantly win over those who are very uh, opposed is by getting on and doing what we say we're going to do and demonstrating that it works for local communities and it works for nature. Um, And, you know, that means we need time. We need time to get on and, and, and prove, that uh, we we are, are doing what we say we're going to do, and I and I, and I encourage people not to uh, not to believe what they read in the sensationalist press, which which is basically promoting purist, totally purist rewilding, um, because that, you know we, we cannot achieve that, and we're not intending to to to, to try and uh, uh, achieve that that pure rewilding, total abandonment of the land etc etc that's not on our agenda and and if if it was i wouldn't be doing this job i came from head of conservation for the environment agency into this role and uh, and i actually said at the interview right up front i said if, if this is about wolves and bears then you know we can stop the interview now basically right. <laughs> you know yeah, I, yeah. you know i don't you know that's not for me um right. but if it's about restoring healthy functioning ecosystems at scale and thus restoring biodiversity and providing rural economic resilience, you know, I would love to be involved. And two years down the line, I can assure you that's exactly the way uh, uh, my colleagues in the organisation, there aren't many of them, it's exactly the way they think, and it's exactly the way the trustees think. And um, we are going to stick to that mission and stay consistent, and we will gradually win over some of the sceptics. But until we've done it, at scale, on the ground, I I know we will still have plenty of doubters.
0: So that was Alistair Driver from Rewilding Britain, putting forward a powerful case for rewilding. I'm hoping to head to West Wales in the spring to see the Summit to see project for myself and talk again with Rewilding Britain and local farmers. And you'll be able to listen to that podcast later this year. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share about this issue, please email me at editor at countryfile.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find more by searching for BBC Countryfile magazine on iTunes or Acast. You can also find plenty more about the British countryside at our website, countryfile.com. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye now.